Hi there, and welcome to Let's Talk Tottenham. Uh, I wasn't sure whether to do an episode today because basically the majority of what's talked about here is uh, the racism that's uh, been prevalent for the last few days and that has obviously not gone away for decades. Um, and that it needs to stop, quite frankly, because it's just an unacceptable thing that is in society and has suddenly crept its way back in. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the main topic of this is, is you know, uh, George Floyd and, and just why I think racism is, is much more serious than just calling someone a, a racist slur or word. It's more ingrained than that. Um, so yeah, so talking about that and then talking about the football when it comes back and what I think the lineup will be for uh, Tottenham's first game, which I believe is against Man United. Um, so yeah, so talking about that. So have a listen and, and you know, if, if, if you want to appear on the podcast, uh, direct message me on Twitter at LTalkTottenham and send me any comments or questions that you have to that that tweet to that as well um, and, and retweet as many times as you can possibly can to try and get people to listen uh, not just for me not it's not for me it's uh, I think the more the more people talk about racism and say how unacceptable it is and try and change change it then I think that's for the better I think the, the wider reach it gets I think it's for the better so yeah so we'll start with Hello and welcome again to Let's Talk Tottenham. So this podcast, like all, is in two parts and the second part will be about football. Uh, the first part isn't about football at all. Uh, it's about something much more important, which is the racism that's been in the news for the last two days and quite clearly hasn't gone away for decades. Uh, it's just th- This whole podcast was uh, designed for me to moan about Tottenham and things that annoyed about me about Tottenham, but then... Anything else that's annoyed me has uh, made it onto the podcast as well. And, and I think, unless you're not normal, racism should annoy everybody. And if it doesn't annoy you, it should do because it's completely unacceptable. And, you know, it just baffles my mind why it still exists because it, like, someone's skin colour doesn't matter, does it, really? It, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, so it's all started really with uh, with the George Floyd murder, which just unbelievable. The I don't know the full story. I, all I know it's been in the news, and what I know from being in the news, and whether it's true or not, I don't know. But from what I understand, he paid uh, for something with a twenty dollar bill counterfeit bill, which he got from a shop or or bank or somewhere like that, and then he ends up getting killed because of it. Whereas drug dealers or murderers who are white get their day in court and get put in a car, cuffed, and then sent to jail. Uh, but the policeman who, who was judged to have killed him had his uh, knee on his neck for eight minutes. Six of those minutes he was breathing and two minutes he wasn't. And it's just a massive, massive problem. And Yeah. And I, I saw a, a video from James Corden on his late show. Uh, people may not like James Corden, that's beside the point as well. Uh, but obviously he's got a massive, massive audience. He goes out to America all day. So he was saying, and it's quite true, that doing nothing about it is just as bad if you can do something about it. So not only has a policeman been charged, but the three policemen who were just watching have been charged as well. And hopefully that changes something, but I fear that it won't. And now what you've got is you've got riots going on Donald Trump doesn't do anything to help it he's just uh, you know I mean Boris Johnson is useless absolutely useless but he's not dangerous Boris Donald Trump is dangerous and I, I fear that there's going to be a civil war in America between black people and white people if he doesn't sort this stuff out and it's just unbelievable that like, he won't do anything about it I saw a speech by Schwarzenegger which was fantastic and that's what a president should be doing not threatening to put the army onto his own people but but the issue of racism has been around for ages and you know and and before you know anyone who listens to this Spurs fan goes oh Spurs don't do it 
Of course they do. Because Spurs, quite rightly and, and correctly, put a, a tweet out, I think yesterday. Uh, it was a black background and together we are stronger. Uh, again, to symbolise the Black Lives Matter um, campaign that's going around at the moment. Uh, and then you get all of these Spurs fans biting on their no, all lives matter and blah, 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 and take it down. And it's just, you're either ignorant. If you're one of those people, you're either ignorant, stupid, or just hiding behind your keyboard because you think it's funny. And you wouldn't ever dare say that in public. But So let me just explain. Of course, all lives matter. Of course they do. And that's because all lives are equal. The problem is, at this moment in time and in history, black people haven't been treated equally as, as equally as white people. So therefore, you, you've got to treat the black, black people with respect so that they are equal to white people, but then all lives can matter. So that's kind of what it's saying. It's not saying black lives matter more. It's just, yeah, that they're not being treated equally, and that, that this George Floyd case is a, exactly a case in point. Uh, and, yeah, unacceptable, really, just racism of any kind. And I do have to say, although I've said Spurs fans do it, I've never ever seen, I've been going to Spurs for years, and I've never seen or heard any racism there, which is good. But I'd like to think that if I did, I'd... Uh, do two things, which are have a go at the person in question and go and tell the steward to try and get them kicked out of the ground because there's no place for racism in any ground or I think any fan of any club would agree with that. But this whole thing with George Floyd has been done to death in TV shows and films like two of my favourite shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so younger listener, listeners might not know what that is, but it's basically Will Smith's TV break. Uh, he played a, a teenager when it started from Philadelphia who got into a fight and his mum shipped him off to live with his rich relatives thinking it would be safe. Uh, and then he learns uh, lessons like that and then vice versa. Um, but him and his cousin, Carlton, uh, again, older listeners will know who he is. Uh, younger listeners, he was in the uh, I'm a Celebrity Jungle, Alfonso Ribeiro and the dance that he did there was kind of his trademark on the show. Anyway, DBA. Uh, basically, that they were driving along in one of the episodes and got pulled over by the police and arrested when they'd done absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, and it's similar to like, the, you know, compared to a drug dealer or, or, or a murderer, George Floyd has done nothing wrong. Yeah, he paid with a counterfeit bill, but like they didn't even stop to question, again, if all this is true, they didn't even stop to question like, oh, was it actually his? and everything like that. But, even if it had have been done from a drug deal or anything like that, surely he deserves his day in court. Well, was that innocent until proven guilty? And he didn't even get that, whereas uh, drug dealers do, don't they? And, and murderers do. So that was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so they highlighted that. And Fresh Prince of Bel-Air ran from in the 80s to the 90s. Uh, and then a TV show more recently, which is still on, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, did a similar thing. So Terry Jeffords, he, he's a, in in the police, he's a lieutenant, or a sergeant, sorry. That's a spoiler alert, he is a lieutenant now. Uh, but in this episode, sergeant, uh, he was walking along his street, I think to get a toy or something for his kids. Uh, and a policeman stopped him, thinking that he looked suspect and what have you. And then that episode focused on him doing the right thing and, and reporting it to the police. And then there was a question, oh, they won't do anything about it. And, and Again, that's where the issue is. So it's been highlighted in TV shows, and like those two shows, really funny shows. But then the, these two incidences, uh, uh, you know, knowing that that thing actually happens, and this George Floyd case, case in point, very difficult to watch. And then in films, anyone seen The Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington? I think it was made in 99, 98, something like that. Anyway, he plays a boxer called Ruben Carter, based on a true story, who gets uh, put in prison for life because he's framed by a racist cop uh, for a murder. Uh, I won't tell you what happens, but you should watch it. It's a brilliant film, very difficult to watch, but a brilliant film. And 
I don't think I've ever seen a film with Denzel Washington in where he hasn't been good, even if the film I don't particularly like, he has. Um, but yeah, but the, the sad part for me is he gives up and thinks, okay, well, I'm going to die in here, when he knows full well he didn't do anything, and yeah. But again, it's... it's that, you know... But if he was a white man in that scenario, the cop wouldn't have done anything because the cop was racist. And... Possibly the case uh, with with the the cop who put his uh, knee on on George Floyd's neck that he was racist and certainly would he have done that different circumstances probably not but like, but racism is just a big big problem worldwide and and yeah I just it, it's got to be stopped really and and yeah. Uh, twenty years, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, I can't remember any, anything making the news about like this or 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 in football. And if it was happening, it should have made the news to highlight it and just stamp it out. Uh, but I can't remember it ever being this bad. Uh, but then again, I, I, I'm a white man, so I, I will never know or understand how it would affect someone because I've never been experienced to it, and it just must be. I mean, we. The only thing I can relate to it, and it probably doesn't even do it justice, is when a friend or someone has a go at you for something they think you've done, you haven't done anything, and you feel bad about it, it must be a hundred times worse, and it's just completely out of order. And the problem is just far more reaching than someone saying a, a, a derogatory term. It, it seems to be ingrained in society and, and just ingrained into like the subconscious like but there's no different you know Tottenham I've seen tweets online when Sun got sent off against um Chelsea uh basically Sun in in career is essentially of the same kind of level of fame as like Michael Jackson was in America during his heyday he's uh look everybody in South Korea knows who Sun is so what you get is a lot of South Koreans coming to the Spurs games to watch Sun in the same way that a lot of people would go to the LA Galaxy games just to watch David Beckham. Uh, and then you get Spurs fans who say, oh, you know, they don't add to the atmosphere and, and they're not cheering along with a lot of other people. But, you know, you're so concerned about cheering, start a chant yourself. You know, you don't have to wait for someone else. Um, but anyway, so... I saw one tweet when he got sent off and then there was a South Korean fan in the white Spurs shirt sat in the crowd and someone said, oh, son's made it back into the crowd. And, okay, that's not the same as, as someone calling the N-word or whatever or, or what the Chelsea fan said to Sterling, but, you know, casual racism is exactly the same because it's racism. And it's just, you know, and it's, it seems to be ingrained in society that casual racism is okay because it's only a laugh. And... Yeah, I just, you know, so the Spurs fan who said that can't moan at any uh, racism from, from the Chelsea guy to Sterling if he's then posting, or she, or if they're, if they're then posting this, because it's exactly the same. And, you know, Luis Suarez as well, I saw, I saw a tweet, Liverpool players uh, bent the knee around the centre circle as a kind of show of solidarity and show that they were thinking of George Floyd and black people and, and what they're going through. Uh, and then you get some fans saying, oh, this is from the club who supported Suarez during his thing and blah, blah, blah. Yes, right? There's two points to this. Yes, the club was completely at fault for backing Suarez for that. Whether Suarez meant it or not, I don't think he is racist. I just think it was a, a lack of communication between what was acceptable in Uruguay and what was acceptable here. Uh, it may mean something different in, in Uruguay. It may have just meant friend or something like that, but you have to learn the culture. You don't go on holiday somewhere different and sort of like just do what you want. You learn what's acceptable and what's not. So I don't think he's an out-and-out -out racist, Suarez. I just think it's a lack of communicate, uh, education, which a lot of this is. A lack of education. And Patrice Ed ever even went on uh, Monday Night Football and said he didn't want him banned. He wanted him to be educated. But anyway, back to Liverpool. So, you know, oh, this from the club who did that. The club should have been 
like um, prosecuted for that or, or told off for that and, and ramifications for that because they shouldn't have been supporting someone like that. It just made a mockery of it. But to have a go at the Liverpool players now who apparently requested it, aside from maybe Jordan Henderson, who may have been there in that Suarez era, but I'm not sure if he was, pretty much all of those players weren't there. So, you, you know, having a go at them for doing it, it's just, you know, and even if it was the players who were there with Suarez, you know, okay, we were out of order there, but we want to show solidarity now. It's just, you know, same with Chelsea. Same with John Terry. Uh, John Terry I don't particularly like, but, you know, I can understand why some people go, oh, hypocritical and all that, but how do you know he didn't uh, just say it in the heat of the moment, wasn't meant like that, so the racist comment adds so much guilt about it and, and has now learnt his lesson. He possibly hasn't either, and it possibly is hypocritical, but, you know, you shouldn't be having a go at people for saying these things, regardless of what they've done in their past. What you should be having a go at is these celebrities, celebrities who haven't said anything. And I don't like Lewis Hamilton either. I think he's quite arrogant, but he had a go at Formula One for not saying anything, and I think he's absolutely right there. He was the only one in Formula One who said anything, and then people started saying stuff when he said it, but, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then, back to the casual racism, uh, Anyone who watches a league of their own, uh, basically on, on there, it's Jamie Redknapp, uh, Freddie Flintoff, who are the two regular sportsmen, and it used to be different comedians, and now it's it's Ramesh Ranganathan, who's the regular, and James Corden presents. Uh, so Ramesh is an Indian comedian, if anyone doesn't know, but he, he regularly refers to himself as a brown man, which I think is a, is a bit of a problem as well in terms of this ingrained in society, because he's obviously a comedian, so his job is to make people laugh, make jokes. And you know, his whole act as a comedian is essentially like Jack D. Younger people might not know who he is, but um, essentially it's, I'm a grumpy, I'm just grumpy about everything. And it's quite fun. I find grumpy quite funny. Any, anyone who knows me knows I like one foot in the grave and that's about a grumpy old man. But anyway, Ramesh will always refer to himself as a brown man. And there was one joke where he was forced... Uh, into a swimming race, not forced, but they all had to do a swimming race. He didn't want to do it because he was the weakest swimmer there. Uh, and then he made a joke because they were asking Adam Peaty, uh, why didn't you do the front crawl? Because he did breaststroke and he goes, oh, I prefer the, the breaststroke because it, 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 it's easier for me or, or quicker or whatever. James Gordon then said, would you do the front crawl if you were swimming away from a great white shark? And he said, probably. Then Romish piped up saying, uh, would you do the front crawl if you were a fat brown man? who were forced into a swimming race. So the joke was funny, but the, the, the brown part of it had no relevance at all because it would have been funny regardless of whoever said it because the joke was that he was terrible at... Well, not terrible at swimming. He was the weakest swimmer there and didn't want to do it because he'd come last and he did. And then he, because of his act as a grumpy man, he was just oh, fed up because he lost. So I think, you know... And then I'll admit, I, I, like everyone in the studio audience, I laughed at that as well and didn't think anything of it. And then this George, George Floyd thing has, has, you know, made me think about it. But, you know, I think it gives people the excuse that when, when they're being casually racist, oh, it's only a joke. Because everybody does it, loads of people do it. And I think it, you know, I quite like Romesh. He's, I've never seen him live or stand-up, but like... A lot of these shows, they do part of their stand-up routines on the the panel shows. So I quite like him, and he is quite funny. And as I say, I quite like the grumpy old guy routine. But I, I just think that the the, the, the colour that, that you mentioned there didn't have any relevance to it at all. And I do, do think that subconsciously that will go into people's subconscious and, and oh, it's OK because it's only a laugh, I'm only joking, it's not serious. But it is serious because that little joke then grows and grows and grows and that's what feeds the actual blatant racist stuff. And I'm not having to go at like Romesh and everything like that because, you know, there's plenty of, uh, I mean, rap songs typically have the N-word in it and, you know, I go along driving, singing to my songs and all that. And so you'll end up having people who listen to rap songs, just singing songs and just 
singing that word at the top of their voice potentially and it just kind of it's okay because it's in a song and it's 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 much more ingrained and deeply ingrained in society than just you know blatant racism and i just think it it it, it needs to be stopped and you know Another case in point, you, 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 the Raheem Sterling Chelsea fan when uh, Man City went to uh, Chelsea and the, the guy called uh, Sterling the C-word but preceded that with a colour. And, you know, but again, like Raheem Sterling could be the biggest arsehole on the planet. He could be a horrible, horrible person. As it is, I don't think he is. I think he's actually quite a nice bloke from what I've seen and, and has his head firmly screwed on. But, but... Go, Bear with me here. He could be the worst person in the world. So just calling him the C word, even though it's terrible language and you've got kids there, could have been actually factually correct. So you don't need the colour involved at all. If, if that was correct, if he was a horrible person and you're just calling him the C word, that could be factually correct. But then adding the, the colour, just it's just completely needless for that point. And it's just racist. It's just blatantly racist using someone's colour as a basis for an argument. And and I, I think to a lesser extent, obviously, because he wasn't insulting anyone, he was taking Mick out of himself. But that's what Romesh was doing. And there we, other comedians that do it, uh, other other mediums that do it. You know, uh, and, and I just think to to cut this out completely, you need to make make it all, everybody aware that. Racism of any level, casually or blatant, is just unacceptable. But it's got to the point now where casual racism, it seems to be okay. I've got a friend who sends like jokes over. They're generally quite rude and occasionally some of them are casually racist. And it's just, it's racism. It's racist. It, it, it is racism. It's not completely blatant. But that doesn't make a difference because it's still... Racist, uh, you know, and it, unless that stops, that that's the education part of it. By like, you know, it, you know, it's not okay to say that because that will fuel the actual racism. And I saw a wonderful, wonderful tweet. I can't remember who it was, which is annoying because it was a brilliant tweet, and they deserve a shout out for this. Uh, so if you're listening, well done. Uh, but they said, uh, "You learn so much at school that you never ever use in later life or adult life." So why don't they make uh, learning about racism and the, the, why it should be stopped and everything like that mandatory in schools? And it's absolutely correct, isn't it? Like, you know, I've never ever in my adult life used Pythagoras' theorem. It's a maths thing. Uh, I've never ever used it. But, you know, and you learn so, so much like that. I've never ever in my adult life gone, hmm, you know what I need today? I need a Bunsen burner because I need to burn some stuff and see what colour it turns into. But, you know, having racism as an actual course, you know, would, would be on the right track because it, it gets to the kids at the, at the early life to learn that racism isn't correct. But, you know, and this isn't having a go this, this, this portion of the podcast at everybody because, you know, 95% of the world's population aren't racist at all. Um, yeah, and and kids, you know, certainly when you're young adults, you 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 know, you trying to show off to your friends and stuff like that, and girls and stuff. So you may say casually stuff like, you know, but then you as you get older, you learn that that's not acceptable either, and then you stop doing it. But yeah, to learn that at like you know five six years old would be so much more valuable than having to learn it yourself. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, blatant racism, like uh, the, the Raheem Sterling incident and the George Floyd incident, are just obviously unacceptable, completely unacceptable. But then casual racism, even though it's not meant hurtfully and all that, I think it puts into society and into subconscious people's, the, the mind of the subconscious, that... It is okay in certain circumstances, and to eradicate all of this stuff out, it needs to be eradicated everywhere. So, even casual racism needs to be eradicated. Uh, 
And I know there'll be people saying, yeah, but it's only a joke and, you know. And, you know. And, and Jamie Bednapp, I'm sure, I could be wrong on this, so I apologise if I am, but I'm sure at one point he's referred to Ramesh as bra a brown man because it, they're friends and it's a joke. But then that's, you know, that's how it grows, I think. And then, yeah, I mean, it's a tricky subject me talking about here and I don't, I don't mean to get anyone, in, uh, you know, offend anyone unless you're racist if you're racist and you're offended then good don't bloody listen or pay attention to this and actually do something about it but you know if you're not racist and you're offended by this then i do apologize it's not me trying to offend anybody it's just me quite angry about the racism that's quite obviously still about when it is something that should be eradicated as just decent human behavior but you know the fact that you get world leaders and people on Twitter saying you shouldn't be racist is is absolutely pathetic, really. It should be something that's deeply ingrained into people that you shouldn't be racist and judge people by the colour of their skin because it's just completely unacceptable. But it seems to be yeah, more prevalent than I can ever remember it being, and it's just absolutely disgraceful. But I think, you know, the, the, the casual racism has to stop, and that will then start to eradicate the actual racism and then but then it'll be then so much easier to find the actual racism and, and actual racism because there won't be casual racism that's feeding it but anyway that, that's why i think about all that uh apologies for the long-winded stuff but it's a massive important thing and, and you know for all those saying all lives matter and it should be all lives matter not black lives matter it's just try and under, understand what is trying to be said here like i said like all lives do matter because all people are equal but black people are not being treated as equally as white people at the moment so because white people are treat, being treated fairly it doesn't need a, a, a you know a campaign to say that because there's not a problem there but there is a complete problem with black people being uh, shown prejudiced against and discriminated against when compared to white people and that's what needs to change to bring everybody up to a level playing field and then it can be all live man Okay, so I'm going to take a break here. I wasn't sure whether to do a podcast and talk about uh, what I've just talked about, but then I thought, no, I have to. Like, like James Corden said and plenty of others, doing nothing is just as bad. Well, it's just as bad. Uh, you've got to be calling these people out and, and you know, shaming them really, and then trying to stop it by being proactive rather than just sitting down and hoping it will stop. You know. All these people who take videos of it and then post it on Twitter and everything like that and say, oh, this is terrible. It is terrible, but what's also terrible is you just filming it to go, go up and bloody stop it. Um, but yeah, so take a break now uh, and then we'll come back uh, and talk about football. Uh, football, as, as this podcast has always said, is always my opinion, but this uh, first part is not opinion because racism being unacceptable isn't opinion it's fact uh, but we'll take a break and back in. okay and we're back so let's talk about football now so uh, it was announced uh, yesterday that a, a, a member of the staff I didn't say if it was playing or non-playing uh, staff at Tottenham has coronavirus and so has to Self-isolate for seven days, which was strange to me because I thought it was 14, but seven days is what I read. I also then read after that that it was a playing staff member, but not someone in the first team. So I don't know who it is. Uh, but then surely there's a good chance if they've got it and they've been training recently, that a load of players have got it who they've come into contact with. Uh, so there are calls of like, well, if... if you know, this contract uh, trace, uh, trace app or whatever it's called, uh, the thing that you know, they've been too late to deliver, but we won't go back into politics again, uh, that this this app uh, will tell you if you've been in contact with someone who's got it. So surely all of the players must do. And if, if, if you've been out to sh sh shopping or whatever, and then uh, come into contact with someone who then has it, then you have to isolate for those 14 days as well, or seven days or however long it is now. Uh, but footballers don't seem to need to do that. And that's, yeah, again, it's causing a divide like the Dominic Cummings did with one rule for you, one rule for us. 
it's the same bloody footballers now, but I've seen but it's not the footballers deciding those rules, so it's not as bad as Dominic Cummings, but anyway. Uh, but then I did read that all oh, players being tested constantly, so that's okay, and we can't get access to testing, which can't always get access to testing, so that may be the case, but so the idea there is if a player has been in contact, they'll be tested fairly pretty quickly and regularly every day, and then they'll go into isolation as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a bit dangerous in my mind. Um, but then like one of my friends did say, it's like, what do you want us to do? Not play football until there's no deaths. That could be years if there's no vaccine. I do understand that view as well. I just think the government has... Boris Johnson said, didn't he, that when the alert level goes down, that's when easing will happen. And we're still apparently in alert level four and we've eased a lot of restrictions. So with the restrictions eased... And I'm talking about football starting up again as a restriction as well, because it was banned, obviously. Um, so were they all eased to try and like boost the public mood, to try and sweep the Cummings thing under the carpet? Or are we not in level four? Or has the R number gone down? Who knows? Like you're being, we're being lied to by the government seemingly all the time. I mean, the, the, the tests, you get two swabs apparently, one, one uh, nose swab, and one mouth swab. Uh, to be fully tested, a person needs both of the swabs, but apparently the government were counting the nose swab as one test and the mouth swab as the second test uh, for the same person to bump their figures up. So it's just, um, they wonder why people don't listen and they, you know, and people are ignoring them. Now, with this Dominic Cummings thing as well, you know, Anyone who backs Dominic Cummings and said he did the right thing, I don't think can really moan at anyone if they go to the if someone goes to the beach because at the basic level you're still breaking lockdown rules. And you know, for those saying, "Oh, Dominic Cummings didn't break lockdown rules," that's fine. But explain to me why the government then announced that people who have been fined for taking their kid to their parents' house for childcare reasons when they were ill aren't getting their fines rescinded. You know, either the fines are correct because they broke the rules, in which case he should as well. Or he didn't break the rules and them saying he acted legally was correct. So those fines should be rescinded because they acted legally as well. You can't have it both ways. But yeah, so I, I think now people are just doing what they want generally because uh, the government are. And then, you know, they stress that how lockdown was super essential for everything. And then they go out and do their own thing. Uh, Labour politicians are doing it as well. They should be fired as well. Dominic Cummings too, and Labour MPs. You know, and, and then you know, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, so yeah, so they're they're breaking lockdown rules as well. So is lockdown was lockdown really important when uh, you know you've been saying how important it is, but you're just doing what you want anyway. So is it really that important? So he's by backing Dominic Cummings. I think Don. Uh, Boris Johnson has completely lost any credibility for, for the lockdown and it's basically ruined the lockdown and meant that no one pays attention to it anymore or takes it seriously. Uh, but on a positive note, what I would say is people have been going to the beach for months, uh, not months, weeks, and, you know, going to parks and all sorts of stuff and they would have been going to friends' houses. So you'd have thought with, like, you know, a thousand people on the beach all coming from different places, you would have thought that you'd have a spike in a certain part of the world when they all get back and spread it to someone else. And we don't seem to have had that. And the numbers, even though the death figures go up occasionally by day, if you look at them by the uh, corresponding day, so the Monday figure, you look at previous Mondays, they are going down. So, I, you know, so touch wood uh, that we are coming to an end of it and, and we can start relaxing things and the pub's opening on the 4th of the... July, uh, shops 15th of June will actually still go ahead, football will go ahead and no issues will come from that. But yeah, I, I just think, <laughs> I said I wouldn't go into politics and I basically spent five minutes talking about uh, Boris Johnson and uh, <laughs> politics. Um, and I'm sure I've mentioned quite a lot of this on previous podcasts as well, so it's just be hashing stuff. Uh, but yeah, luckily it was only five minutes. Um, but yeah, so ho hopefully it will all all be okay. Uh, one of the rules that I did see which did make me laugh is that 
in football, uh, you're not allowed to celebrate with anyone. And if you're uh, speaking to the referee, you've got to maintain social distancing. Uh, which, let's, let's take the goal celebrations. You win 1-0, score in the last minute. Uh, you don't, they don't want people uh, hugging their, their teammate who scored a goal to social distance to take precautions, but they've been allowed to man-mark people for 90 minutes straight and, uh, you know, get within... You know, touching distance of someone uh, to try and stop them with the ball. So, surely, by the time the goal scored in the 90th minute, if they were uh, exposed to this thing, they'd have been exposed to it in the first collision that they had with the person who was infected. So, it's just ridiculous. But, a friend did say to me, it's to show they're taking all necessary precautions, to which I then reply, well, the precautions would have been not to bloody play. Uh, and then I got the comment, uh, well, what do you want us to do, not play until there's no deaths at the three years that I mentioned earlier, which is a balancing act there. Um, but I just think with, with, a, with a close contact sport like that, when you're, you're in close contact, you know, celebration isn't gonna, stopping a celebration isn't going to do anything, so you might as well allow the celebrations. Um, but yeah, like taking their own kit and, and, you know, not really using the change rooms or whatever, or, or I don't know if they're doing that, but certainly taking their own kit, I think that's a good measure because that can affect something. But again, like they're playing close football in that kit and then going home and washing it, which I guess it doesn't go to the kit man who then gets like 15 kits to all wash. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting when it starts, but from what I've seen and heard, German football is... is doing quite well and it's um, not had any issues uh, the one coronavirus case for, for Tottenham has been the 13th in the Premier League out of I think 700 players which I suppose isn't too bad and if they are going into isolation and getting them tests every day then there is a, a good chance that they'll be able to be isolated out before it spreads to anyone else on the team obviously the issue will be if, if someone gets tested doesn't have it and then starts and then go to the shop uh, later on, then get it and then play football and then get tested, they potentially spread it to 22, 21 other players. Um, but again, I would imagine they're being told to take precautions there, but then you have people like Serge Aurier who seems to want to break the rules every time they're mentioned. Um, Although, like I said, the hairdressing thing, when you compare it to Dominic Cummings, I don't think was too bad because he's been tested and is quite clearly negative. Uh, and the hairdresser, if he was tested and is negative, then there's no chance of him going around his house and getting it. But I digress, I've mentioned all that. So, some more negative stuff that I've been talking about there. Uh, the first part, before the break, the negative stuff was needed to be said. Uh, second part about this football was just my opinion. Um, but I, I did see that the Premier League clubs are getting together to decide what happens if uh, the season can't be finished, which at this moment in time the season will be finished, but it's kind of contingency plan in case there's a second break or whatever or, or what have you, which I think is a good idea. So I have no idea what they are. I think they're having that today. But let's take the positive scenario that the season does finish. Uh, and we play our first game, I think, around the weekend of the 20th. Uh, and against Man United at home, what do I think the team lineup will be? So I think we're in a, in a fortunate situation as a club now, where we were before this started, that we've got basically our goals back. And by that, as you can imagine, I mean Son and Kane. Like I said last week, last episode rather, Kane wasn't the big, big injury for me. Son was the big injury because Kane was injured. Um, if, if Son had got injured first, then Kane would have been the big, big injury. But I think Son has proven, we've proved in previous years, that when Kane gets injured, Son can take that role on and be just as effective and we still remain a threat. When he got injured as well, we, we just didn't look like we could score and we didn't look like we had any ideas, really. So, what do I think the lineup will be? I think Loris picks himself. Uh, I said it, I think we need a new goalkeeper, but that won't happen, I don't think. Like I've said time and time again, I'll you know, bang the drum on this, so I'll do it again, that I don't see signings of big money 
this transfer window or maybe for a year uh, and that's not just for us but for all clubs uh, so he, he, he's a good keeper Loris maybe getting old now so he's losing parts of his game like in terms of he doesn't come rushing out anymore he used to be the brilliant sweeper keeper doesn't do that anymore uh, but I think losing that I think has lost a bit of his command for his area because defenders knew that if it went over their head and was rolling nine times out of ten Loris was coming to clear it so but it's now, I think, they're not so sure if he's coming out or not, so I need to keep running. Um, yeah, so be interesting if he gets his form back. Uh, like, good thing with Mourinho there is that he'll challenge uh, Loris to get his best form back because he won't settle for just half-heartedness or, or, or you know, second best. Uh, but again, he might have to with the transfer issue that I mentioned a second ago. Uh, defenders, I think I think he'll probably go four at the back, like he has been. Oreo at right back again. Yeah, he makes mistakes going going forward. He's brilliant. I think I wouldn't say brilliant. He's not Carl Walker's level, is he? Because he hasn't got the speed. But I, I would say he's better crosser of the ball than Oreo, but not as good a crosser of the ball as Trippier. A bit quicker than Trippier. Uh, defending, I don't think controversially the controversial comment. Defending, I don't think he's actually that bad. What I think his big, big issue is, is decision-making, and he gets a rush of blood to the head and makes stupid decisions. 2-0 uh, win against Man City, the penalty on Aguero, case in point there, and uh, Real Madrid when we beat them 3-1, I think. No, we lost to them, didn't we? It was a game against Real No, it was, it was the away game, one all, one all at the Bernabeu in the group stages where he gave away a stupid penalty. But... I don't think there's anyone to replace him. Who who plays at right back? You've got Tanganga, who's young. Uh, he still hasn't learned what his position is, so you know you can't. I don't think you can like play him right back one week, then centre back another week, then left back another week. You've got to say, right, your position is this. Train for that, and then try and force your way into the team. Um, out of field, I think, and Davinson Sanchez will be in the middle. Uh, I like Vertonghen, but. I think it's been said, it was said, I can't remember where I read it now, whether it was Twitter or BBC News, Sport News. Uh, we're not renewing his contract, so I think this season is his last, which is a shame because he's been a brilliant player for us. Um, but yeah, I think he's lost a lot of pace. He didn't have a huge amount of pace anyway, and he's lost a lot of pace now. And that, that partnership that he had with Adderfield, which a few years ago was the best in the Premier League and central defenders has gone there. Adderfield's not as good as he was either. But I think Sanchez annoys me a little bit because he still, after this time, lets the ball bounce over his head and then chases it. He, you know, I used to play football when I was a kid and one of the first things you remember when you're five, you get taught when you're five, is don't let the ball bounce. You, you, you know, Get rid of it so it doesn't bounce. And he still does that. But what I like about him, he's big, strong and quick. So he compensates uh, Toby's lack of pace and Vertonghen's if, if Vertonghen was uh, replacing Alderweireld. And he compensates his lack of pace. And he reminds me very much of Dawson when Ledley King and Jonathan Woodgate played for us. That Dawson, great defender. But when he was young, he needed someone there to show him the ropes and kind of show him where to be and how to read the game. And, and Sanchez... Very much reminds me of that at the moment. I think he could be one of the best defenders in the world in a few years if he progresses his game and learns. And I think, you know, playing without a field will help him a lot. Left back, Davies. Uh, Rose is still on loan. I've been, I've read that uh, we've given Newcastle permission to extend the loan for the rest of whenever this season finishes. Uh, and again, who's who's there to replace Davies? You could have Tanganga, but like, it's exactly the same point as I said with him replacing Boyer. Midfield's an issue, a tricky one. I think it's a massive boost as well that we have Sissoko back. But the issue issue with the kind of holding midfielders is the issue that I've spoken about before. Previous seasons we had Dyer and Wanyama and Dembele, who all kind of their main kind of focus was to sit back and not go too far forward. Uh, Dembele would go forward more out of the three of them just because he could skin people. Uh, but he wouldn't venture too far forward. He'd then give it to the Ericsons, Allies, Sons, Canes, and then kind of fall back into position. Dyer obviously was 
literally so deep that he was just in front of the defenders so he could slot back into the defence when he didn't have the ball. Uh, and Wanyama was just a tank, really. Uh, just a complete midfield marshal there until injuries sadly completely derailed that, which is a massive shame because the season we signed him, he was unbelievable. He was just so strong and I think we've missed we've missed that uh, Sissoko strong and Mbele strong but nowhere near as uh, you know Wanyama was strong and disciplined at the same time we've really missed that so I, th I think Sissoko will play Winks as well Winks was kind of playing the uh, defensive role although this very very much I think will be determined as well by what Dyer's fitness is, has been like during this uh, kind of quarantine and, and just time off. If he's boosted his fitness up and he's back to good fitness, then, you know, and we can get him back to where he was playing in, in, in the posh era, then he's a shoo-in for that position. But at the moment, I'm not sure, really, Jose has uh, confidence that he can do that job like he used to. So I think Sissoko and Winks and then telling either both of them or just one of them probably winks if it's one of them to don't go too far forward. Certainly if it's Man United who Man United play on the counter-attack, as we know, they destroyed City playing like that on the counter-attack. So that's why I think there'll be two holding midfielders there. And then we've got the four up top who can just do what they want. So Lo Celso, who seems to be uh, the one who's taken on the Ericsson mantle in trying to create stuff. Uh, slightly different with the sense that he, he doesn't kind of like stand still and then ping 50-yard balls that he kind of runs with the ball and then strings it that way. Uh, talking about the holding midfielders as well, Undombele, I think Mourinho will leave it until next season, so get him to sort himself out in pre-season, whenever that is, and the timelines. Um, but yeah, if, if for next season, if, if, if Mourinho can get uh, Undombele's fitness up and get his attitude correct, it will almost be like a new signing. And we've seen last season in glimpses of what he can do with the ball at his feet. Uh, he draws people in and then just skips past them that they're not even there. And if we can get his attitude and his fitness to, along with that, then we've got one hell of a player. And it'll be like a new signing because we didn't see enough of it last year. But I think he'll be on the bench. So Lo Celso is the uh, um, creative spark that we've got. So I've put him in this four because that's how Ericsson used to play, but I think he'll play a lot deeper than that and run with the ball. So out of the Sissoko and Winks and, and Lacelso, he'll be the one that's allowed license to go forward, but then still has the responsibility when we don't have the ball to kind of drop back. Uh, and then there's three more, two of them, as you can imagine, pick themselves. And the other one, I'm torn whether he'll play Bergvine or Ali. Uh, Bergwijn, I think, obviously gives you natural width. Uh, Ali's game isn't about running with the ball or the ball at his feet. I don't think. I think his game is about uh, more off the ball, so getting into the box, making runs deep, uh, like undetected. Um, whereas Bergwijn will stay wide, uh, so you've got Sun on one side, Bergwijn on the other. And they're interchangeable, so if it's not working for both of them on, on the sides that they're on, they can switch over. Uh, or even they can just switch over just to try and cause a bit of confusion. Uh, but you don't get that with Ali. It's kind of an unnatural position for him there to play wide, because I think his initial uh, intention will be, and, and focus will be, and he'll end up doing it potentially without even realising it is drifting into the middle. And I think with, with the pace and power that Man United have on the break... Our fullbacks need to be supported. So if Sum's wide and Bergwijn or Ali is wide, then those people have to track back when we don't have the ball and help the fullbacks out. So, I mean, the fullbacks get a lot of uh, criticism uh, when they're completely, constantly destroyed by a winger. But I think a lot of that time, that's because there's no support for them there. So it's easy. And these, these players in this Premier League are so, you know, you know, like Bruno Fernandes that you've got there or, or De Bruyne, which has happened against when we played City. It's, you know, as soon as they sniff a little bit of blood there, smell a little bit of blood that, OK, well, if we get it out to the wide player, their full-back isn't really going to be supported by their forward wide player. 
it's constantly where it goes. So it looks like our fullback is getting absolutely ripped to shreds. It's because there's no support. But but on the other hand, that's the responsibility of the fullback to say to the player further forward, you've got to come help me. It's the responsibility of the player further forward to say, okay, I need to go help him. And it's the responsibility of the manager to sort of like identify that before the game. And if it is happening during the game, then identify it during the game and make changes. But I, I think he'll start with Bergwijn. Which is, uh, you know, poor for Ali and uh, shame for Ali. But then maybe Ali is one of these people who... You know, there's two types of players, isn't there? The one that respond better to an arm around the shoulder and ones that respond better to a bollocking. And so even though it's not a bollocking in the traditional sense of the word, I think being dropped is a kind of bollocking. And, and it's like, OK, I'll show him. Hopefully that's the case. And then the other two pick themselves, like I said, Sam and Kane, who are back. So, yeah, that's, that's my lineup for United, which I'd go for. Loris, Aurier, Alderweireld, Sanchez, Davies, Sissoko and Winks, Celso uh, in the middle, Sun and Bergwijn wide, Kane on the bench. Uh, Kane on the bench. Kane up top. Uh, so that, that would be my lineup. Whether, whether that's the case, uh, yeah. You see all these tweets coming out just before the game, predict what Jose's going to do, and, you know, <laughs> there's always usually a surprise. But I think we can beat Man United. It'll be interesting. I, I know a lot of clubs have been training at the stadium, um, empty stadium, to get a feel for how it is playing without fans. Although I did read something that they're planning to have during out of the speakers, the sounds from the FIFA game of the crowd. Um, still won't be the same, so it'll be interesting, but... Man United will sit back and they'll play on the counter-attack, so it'll be up to us to attack, but then Jose will know that. So it could very much be like the Liverpool game, where we just sat back and, and played on the counter-attack ourselves, which, again, that's another reason why I think Bergwijn will play after uh, ahead of Ali. Uh, Bergwijn's quick. So you've got Sun wide, Bergwijn quick, Lacelso there, you can pick people out. So I think that's what he'll do. Um, but I still think we can beat Man United and, and you know, whenever we're playing. Um, it would be good to have football back, but I just hope it's not too premature and uh, that it's safe to do so. And that's about it for this episode. Uh, normally I would have kind of apologised for the negative tone of the whole episode, but I'm not going to apologise for saying racism is unacceptable and that it needs to be eradicated. Uh, I think most people would agree with me there. I don't think it matters if you're a massive celebrity or someone like me who no one really knows or pays that much attention to. I think uh, the more people who speak out and say how un unacceptable it is, I think the, the better reach it has and then we can hopefully eradicate it altogether. Like Tottenham say, together we are stronger and, and I think that's absolutely a spot on comment. Um, obviously if you've got anyone, forward this to anyone who... who either wants to listen or, or what have you. I think uh, anyone listening to the racism part and my, my comments on there will agree with that, uh, unless you're <laughs> not a very nice person. Uh, I think anyone will agree to it and then retweet it. Uh, that way it can reach a wider audience, bigger than I'm reaching currently and have been. Um, again, anyone who want, wants to appear on the on the the podcast uh, just direct message me at ltalk tottenham uh, any comments you got questions you got send it to that tweet at ltalk tottenham and back soon